District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. I have an update on the Happy the Elephant case, some good news when it comes to animal rights in our favor in the greater conservation space, and I will briefly discuss a new secretarial order from the Department of Interior erasing and unpublishing a website that details how much money frivolous lawsuits generate for radical environmentalist groups, better known as sue and settle agreements. Let's dive deep into these two topics today. Sanity prevails in New York. You don't really hear that very often. But in the case of Happy the Elephant, cooler heads have prevailed. New York's highest court, the New York Court of Appeals, rejected by a 5-2 decision, non-human right projects lawsuit claiming Happy the Elephant isn't an animal and instead deserves personhood rights under habeas corpus for being indefinitely detained against her will by the Bronx Zoo. And I'm reading from... The NSSF, which has a great update, I think Political offers some insight into this as well. But according to Chief Judge Janet DeFiori, she wrote in her ruling, while no one disputes the impressive capabilities of elephants, we reject petitioner's arguments that is entitled to seek the remedy of habeas corpus on Happy's benefit, on Happy's behalf. Habeas corpus is a procedural vehicle intended to secure the liberty rights of human beings who are unlawfully restrained, not non-human animals. And in the dissenting opinion, NSSF writes, because hunting organizations very much care about these type of decisions because they can trickle down to how livestock are managed, how wildlife is managed in public capacity, and even your ability to have cats and dogs. As Teresa Lucas McMahon explained in our past episode together on this case and what the implications can be stemming from such a ruling if it had not gone in this favor, create more of a schism between our connection to them and basically impose what Teresa calls a vegan lifestyle and even with respect to pet ownership. Crazy stuff. So this would have had serious implications had it proceeded. But the dissenting judge, Rowan Wilson, wrote that the court had a duty to recognize Happy's right to petition for her liberty, not just because she's a wild animal who is not meant to be caged and displayed, but because the rights we confer on others define who we are as a society. But NSSF writes, the court's majority, however, disagreed. People uniquely have rights in America. This is why the case mattered for hunting, conservation, wildlife management, and animal agricultural communities. And judges appeared irritated when they first heard the case last month before rendering the decision. Judge Jenny Rivera questioned the Non-Human Rights Project, Inc. lawyers, asking, if happy is a person, does that mean that I couldn't keep a dog? I mean, dogs can memorize words. And it goes on to that. But go listen back to our episode with Teresa. This is a win for sanity. I bet the Bronx Zoo is very relieved that this court decision was handed down. But this wasn't the first time non-person human rights, Inc. brought this case before judges. I think... New York, you can give New York a lot of flack. New York is very wrong-headed on firearms, on politics in many, many cases. But here, amazingly, there was no judicial activism and sanity prevailed here. Listen back again to our episode with Teresa. I will include links in the show notes for you guys to learn more about this case. A former Trump 
Interior Press Secretary, who's a friend of mine, I've known in natural resources for a long time, alerted me to this story from E&E News of a development from the Department of Interior, as I had talked about in the introduction, deciding to revoke a Trump-era secretarial order, which was Secretary's Order 3368, which spotlighted consent decrees and legal settlements, better known as sue and settle, the payments, the millions of dollars that are often awarded to lawyers who frivolously sue government agencies, namely those that cover environmental and energy issues, EPA, Department of Interior, and related agencies. And they claim by revoking it through this new secretarial order under Secretarial Order 3408, it was redundant, inefficient, and not transparent. According to a press release from the agency, it reads like this. The previous order added unnecessary obstacles to the department's ability to enter into rational and fair settlements, imposed requirements and timelines inconsistent with those courts, with those set by courts, and added redundant reporting obligations. The agency statement read, The previous order provided no tangible benefits to the public while interfering with the department's ability to make decisions about litigation that are in the best interests of the federal government and taxpayers. So much for transparency, but this is a pattern for this administration, unfortunately. I hate to be partisan in my analysis here, but I have talked at length about a sue-and-settle agreement that this administration is entering with the Center for Biological Diversity. How exactly is entering a rational and fair settlement with them to revoke public lands access for new fishing and hunting opportunities? How is that rational and fair? By knowing in great detail who is receiving money, how much, why they're receiving it, that's pretty fair and rational to me and to any person who has common sense. And we'll examine more into what sue and settle agreements are momentarily, but this is not transparent. This is giving license to these organizations to sue and enter into these consent decrees a lot more commonly, and actually at the detriment more so of America's conservationists. How is this representing the interests of conservationists who this administration say are the key contributors to conservation? They were touting $1.5 billion generated from expenditures relating to access taxes collected on hunting, fishing licenses, guns and ammo largely. How is this serving the interests, especially of sportsmen and women, if you're going to be closing this, you're not going to be allowing the public to know how much is given, how much money is going to these lawsuits. That is not transparent. Of course, this administration engages in doublespeak. I will include the secretarial order for you. And you can read more about both the previous secretarial order and this current one. But let's touch briefly on what sue and settle decrees are. I had touched upon this in a town hall column back in March, and my Friday column upcoming Friday, this upcoming Friday, is going to be highlighting this news development. I'm going to spend a great time of my column explaining this update, contrasting with the previous secretarial order, what the implications are, and why this does affect you as a conservationist, whether you hunt and fish, whether you work in energy, whether you farm ranch, things of that sort. and why this is important to you and in terms of transparency and the government working for you, the government here, especially if they proceed with this revocation of the website is not working for us. Definitely not. And so why are we to be concerned about this? What do these sue and settle agreements do? So this stems from the equal access to justice act. According to 
a piece that I had, or rather some comments I had taken from Bugle Magazine, which is Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's magazine. The EAJA was passed primarily in response to demands from the small business community, which was laboring under the increased environmental, consumer, and health and safety regulations of the 60s and 70s, Lowell E. Bayer told Bugle Magazine. The concern was that when an agency such as OSHA or the EPA improperly fined a small business, the business might win in court but be bankrupted by having to pay its lawyers. Let's talk more briefly about what these sue and settle agreements are. So I'm reading from a column that I wrote back in March, as I alluded to. I'm reading from Forbes magazine and about the Equal Access to Justice Act, EAJA, being weaponized to what amounts as sue and settle. So Forbes magazine describes the practice like this. Sue and settle practices, sometimes referred to as friendly lawsuits, are cozy deals through which far-left radical environmental groups file lawsuits against federal agencies, wherein court-ordered consent decrees are issued based upon a prearranged settlement agreement they collaboratively craft together in advance behind closed doors. Then rather than allowing the entire process to play out, the agency begins, the agency being sued settles the lawsuit by agreeing to move forward with the requested action they and the litigants both want. As I had noted, EAJA was intended to, quote, level the playing field in legal disputes between private citizens and the federal government. However, it creates incentives for serial litigation aimed at preventing laws such as the Endangered Species Act and National Environmental Policy Act from working as intended. There are, however, congressional remedies or legislative remedies, rather, that could address abuses in EAJA. And one such law is the Sunshine for Regulatory Decrees and Settlements Act of 2021. Given the makeup of Congress, unfortunately, this will not pass. Perhaps it may pass if Republicans take control of Congress in the fall. But this law, if it were to pass in an ideal world, would impose certain limitations on consent decrees and settlement agreements by agencies that require the agencies to take regulatory action. And like I said, I will be dedicating my town hall column this Friday entirely to this update comparing and contrasting the secretarial orders, what the implications are from abuses of EAJA and what it does to prevent laws on the books from working as intended to not make them susceptible to attacks. So that is what you have to know. Read through. I have a lot of context for you all. Show notes. Learn more about EAJA. Sue and settle decrees remedies to abuses in EAJA and what this means for conservation at large. Let me know if you have any questions, if you'd like to see more discussion of this. I think this topic is not sexy, but it does deserve to be highlighted. And we will continue to do that here at District of Conservation. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others. But those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.